This is the Quantum Biology Podcast, where we break down the practical health applications of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. In this episode, Rudy Nassif, founder of VivaRays, shares how his experience as a young person suffering from intense insomnia and depression led him to discover how to use lights to live a life of energy and inspiration, all by accident with a life-changing camping trip. Rudy tells us why he then changed careers and used his engineering training to dive into the science of light and how it affects human biology. Get ready for a robust discussion of exactly how to use blue blocking glasses to protect your circadian rhythms, and how light is connected not only to our physical health, but to consciousness, awareness, and the universe at large. So to begin with, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. I really suffered from debilitating headaches, extreme agitation, and inability to focus. I would do anything to be kicked out of the class, literally. And my teachers, my environment didn't understand my need and wasn't able to articulate it. And then that was heavy to, to carry on and to be perceived uh, as the ADHD kid with all, the, with all of these different labels. But life went on and growing up, I actually turned into a night owl. And I would stay up very late, feeling super wild and stimulated. That's the time when I feel like, wow, like I'm discovering the secrets of the universe. And then I would wake up the second day forgetting about the universe and forgetting about life, lacking the energy and, and focus the whole day. And eventually this lifestyle that led me to deep depression, chronic fatigue and extreme disorientation. And it was really sabotaging every aspect of my life, my professional life as an engineer, my relationship with my loved ones. Even I couldn't study, you know, my memory, my cognition were extremely low, like suffering. And I could hardly read few pages from a book before I feel that I need to take a, a nap and my brain is like extremely fried and exhausted. So as you can imagine with all of this, it's not easy to navigate. And I, was, I had a, this intense deep desire to feel better. So I started looking for a solution, right? Like everyone else. And I honestly felt extremely tired and exhausted going from one doctor to another and extremely overwhelmed with all the different health opinions. I was dealing with two main things, the conventional medicine, which told me I need to take prescription drugs. And I had the awareness to refuse this. So I started this long journey with holistic medicine and start trying all of the diets that you could think of veganism, vegetarian, keto, uh, anything that you could think of. And had a, a lot of different supplements that was carrying around with me wherever I went. And I tried different other modalities. Particularly, I was diving deep into meditation as well and, and physical exercise techniques. And while all of this helped me to a certain extent and built a beautiful foundation in my life, unfortunately, I was still stuck with the same cycle of feeling super wired at night and completely depressed and fried in the morning. And this kept going until one particular event in my life that miraculously changed everything for me. Now, I went for a camping trip to live on a farm. It was a rural farm in Quebec. And I lived on, in my tent for six weeks where I was exposed only to natural light during the day and fire and candlelight during the evening. There was no electric light where I was camping whatsoever. Now, the remarkable thing is that within a matter of three days, literally, I started winding down in the evening, feeling mellow and relaxed, to then wake up before the sunrise for the first time in my life, being super energized, focused, and motivated. And when I say first time in my life, I really mean it. I never ever before woke up before the sunrise feeling a vigorous energy, feeling that I actually want to be alive this day, okay? I wasn't connected with that whatsoever. 
And on this farm, I was farming outdoors all day, dancing, cooking, hiking, swimming in lakes, deepening my relationship with my loved ones. And, and I was studying for the first time and really absorbing. I felt alive. I felt like, wow, such a gift. But to me at the time, that was purely magic. That was something that I didn't understand where it came from. And to be honest with you, I was okay with not understanding as long as I, as I was feeling the way I was feeling. And the remarkable thing that I didn't take any supplements, I didn't change my diet, and I was meditating and exercising in the same way I was before. So like every night in my heart as I'm sleeping, I, like, I find myself questioning like, what happened? But then as the days passed and my vacation ended, I came back to the city. And at the time, I was still living in Toronto. Now, within a matter of few weeks, I, I literally fell back into my old terrible routine of staying up late, feeling wired, waking up feeling depressed. And I went deep into my depression and chronic fatigue again. And I couldn't grasp it. Like, what happened? And that led me to go on a meditation retreat. It was a Vipassana meditation retreat for 10 days. And to be honest, within those 10 days, the only question I had wordlessly written on my heart is like, what happened? What was that? Like, why, why did I experience that shift again from one extreme to the other? And as I was meditating, all I could sense and hear in my consciousness is like light. And, and, and to me, it was like, what? Like, as an engineer, it didn't make sense to me. Like, what do you mean light? Like, turning on and off a, a light bulb, this doesn't make any sense. But then I stopped going with what making sense, and I followed my heart. And this led me to a seven-year journey where I was studying light, quantum biology, and circadian rhythm, and really going from one mentor to another and investigating. And... On this journey, I, I learned really cool stuff. But the most fundamental basic thing that I learned is that we are light beings and the light will affect every aspect of our life, whether emotional, spiritual, uh, mental, or physical. Even I would argue financial and, and, and it will affect every, every, every relation we engage with. And this literally has led me to stop viva rays because again i was in the city and i was dealing with a lot of junk light which i didn't understand what it is before but when i learned more about the detrimental effects of junk light i i want i was eager to find a solution so i could at least have the freedom to still live in the modern world while not compromising my health and, and my well-being and this led me to investigate more and to start viva rays which is now one of the leading companies in launching what we call the three lens technology system that enable people to block different amounts of junk light at different times of the day. I'm really struck by how you had the, the intuition and the tenacity to figure out what it was that caused you to feel so much better. <laughs> that type of curiosity, I think is very <laughs> helpful to the world. So it's great that you did that. So you talked about being an engineer and how light intuitively, you knew that, that part of your, your release from your symptoms had to do with light and intuitively that made perfect sense to you. But as an engineer, you thought, how is that possible? Could you walk us through the journey of how your engineering mind reconciled with that intuitive knowing that it was the light? Yeah, I mean, like, my whole paradigm growing up, I was taught that light is for vision and has nothing to do with affecting our biology and our health. In fact, even it, was, it wasn't until the 1970s that actually science first recognized that light entering our eyes was not only for the purpose of vision. And in fact, vision is only a very small aspect uh, to, to this light that enters our eyes. So to me, my analytical mind was in disbelief, so to speak. When I was sitting in meditation, 
and asking myself what changed. See, like when I say I ask myself what changed, that was like an intense burning desire in my heart to know truth. And I would ask it wordlessly in, in my heart. And the answer never came to me in the letters that we're used to, like L Y G H T. It's it's more so not an audible answer. It's 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 non-verbal, so to speak. And the best that I could describe this experience is it came to me wordlessly through the language of light. And the language of light is wordless, yet in it. In, in this language reside the essence of all meaning. So it was more images and feelings and experiences that I was feeling within my consciousness that was leading me to pay more attention to light. And I was very pleased that I followed my intuition. And to be honest with you, ever since I was a kid, I was very intuitive in my environment and I had special needs. Well, my environment called the ADHD, but to me, I, I, I was in communion with something greater than me. And I had a deep sense of what I'm actually needing to stay in communion with that source energy. To me, when I was in class sitting on, under artificial LEDs and fluorescent lights, that was sucking the soul out of me. And I could feel it, I could sense it. I couldn't explain it in words to my teachers and to my parents. But intuitively as a kid, I would do like very interesting tricks to be kicked out of class. And when they, when, when they lose me, they will find me actually by the beach in Lebanon, Santani. So, so that was like a very interesting thing. And it all came together after I left the meditation retreat and I started doing my research. And I right away started learning that back in the 1970s, actually science recognized that light stimulates our endocrine system and our nervous system. And this made so much sense to me because the first thing that came to my mind is like, well, my nervous system was really out of whack as I'm sitting under these uh, unbalanced artificial light. And this autonomous nervous system works at a subconscious level, which I call also quantum level. Anytime I talk quantum, anytime I talk subconscious, it's this field that is beyond our five senses. And all of us grew up being so attuned and so bound to what we can see, hear, touch, smell, and taste. Now, there's a word beyond, the, beyond, beyond our five senses, the subconscious intelligence and the subconscious word. And our nervous system regulates all of the inner working of the body, like the heart, the muscles, the different glands, without our conscious effort and with, without us needing to think about how to do it. And if we needed to think about how to regulate this intelligence, it would have been extremely chaotic. Now there's an intelligence operating at that subconscious level. And this intelligence is waiting for the right information and the right systems so that it can operate in balance and maintain the body in homeostasis. And when we talk about the nervous system, we're talking about the two subsystems, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And we all know that the sympathetic will support, us, will support us while we are in action. And the parasympathetic is responsible for rebuilding, rejuvenating, healing, and repair. And this whole autonomic nervous system is like, you know, this fulcrum point uh, of a seesaw. And on one side of the fulcrum, we have the sympathetic system, which acts as the accelerator and when in, when, when in balance, you know, it could help us accelerate without, without haze, so to speak. And that's when we operate in our fullness. That's when we are able to speed up, yet not feel anxious. And on the other side of the fulcrum, there is the parasympathetic system, which acts as the brakes. 
okay? And true, true balance in life is having the perfect equilibrium between stimulation and rest or between acceleration and breaks. We really need to know when to accelerate and take action um, that is inspired by our inspiration and when to break and go within rest and seek that inspiration again so we're not acting out of desperation and the whole body's state and balance is really regulated by this autonomic nervous system and it strikes me that the nervous system is actually governed by the hypothalamus in the brain which receives light activated information from the eyes and the hypothalamus itself has two main different zones one that controls the sympathetic and it's responsible of actually stimulating hormonal production and the other one is controlling the parasympathetic and it shuts down hormonal production and light plays an absolutely essential role in the shutting on and off of the different hormonal productions based on our needs and as an example for this, a very simple example, as the sun is rising, the increasing level of blue lights turn on our pituitary glands, and it leads to our mitochondria secreting pregnenolone, which turns into cortisol and this, uh, the testosterone and all the st uh, steroid hormones that our body will need in specific situations throughout the day. So we're, we're actually having access to all these resources within us that are stimulated by light. And it will be a matter of making choices of which of those resources we're going to use in particular situation, depending on what the situation is. So if you could just in a few sentences, how would you qualify light's role to somebody who doesn't perhaps appreciate how important light is? When I usually find myself talking to a skeptic or to someone who is having a difficult time to grasp that concept, I find myself breaking down the very simple quantum equation by Einstein, E equal MC squared, E being light, M is mass and C velocity. And this equation is literally telling us that light and matter are exactly the same thing. And that matter and all of our physical reality is but light that is vibrating at a lower speed. So this literally means that we are light being and everything around us at this moment is profoundly influenced by light. And we see this all the time around us and we acknowledge it. In fact, we, most of us know that plants have light sensors in them that lead them to direct their leaves in the right direction, depending on when, where the sun is, so that they can they can maximize energy production, and also their leaves drop down at night when the sun is absent, and this leads them to energy efficiency and optimal energy production, and this principle governs every biological species on Earth. We all undergo an unescapable daily change in the environment. Why is that a change? Simply, the day must become night, and the night turns into day again. And in order for us to adapt to this daily change in the environment, we have had to develop an internal clock that connects the inside to the outside. And it's through this connection that we actually live and perform, behave, and move through life in the most harmonious way possible. And without this very basic connection that is informing our bodies about the time of the day, the time of the season, even our geographical location, there is no survival whatsoever. Because even if you think of animals, if an animal is off rhythm, even an hour of rhythm with the rise and the fall of the sun, this animal could suffer like chaotic circumstances. He could become, you know, like food for another predator 
or he could literally miss the food and and starve and die so our relationship to light is so fundamental and it's so obvious but it's so simple that we 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 often tend to miss it we take it for granted so you make blue blocking glasses which are in our the modern world that we live in i think you know one of the key tools <laughs> that we have at our disposal to maintain our our circadian integrity while also engaging in the world as it is tell me about what you've learned by having that company in terms of people using blue blockers who hadn't been using them before and what their experiences have been yeah that has been an interesting journey where i was trying so many different products and experimenting and my first naive experience so to speak was trying those clear blue light blockers and after trying them for a while i didn't experience any benefits and at the time i didn't know why even though see like my engineer mind wasn't thinking because if it was i would have right away understood that the blue light actually in in order to cancel some of the blue light the antagonist of the is somehow orange and i knew it as a kid because i was fascinated with colors and i would like mix all these different colors together and any kid will tell you that if you mix the blue and the orange they'll cancel each other out if you mix the green with the red they will cancel each other out so in order to somehow filter blue light from the lenses the lens somehow need to be yellow towards orange right and and that will depend on the percentage of the blue light that you're looking to filter see when i first learned about blue light to me blue light it was the evil and i thought that i need to you know not expose myself to it at all cost but that was half truth because we all know that sunlight so to speak is extremely high and rich in blue light however the only difference is that this blue is balanced and proportionate with all the different frequencies of colors as well as the invisible frequencies in the uv and infrared whereas anytime we're dealing with artificial lighting the reason why we call it junk light is because it's not balanced and it's not symmetrical now what does that mean it means that it has these random peaks in the blue that are not balanced and proportionate with the other colors and when we expose ourselves to this random peak there's no such thing or no such exposure throughout all of our biological evolution and it creates abnormal effects because an effect is always manifesting a cause okay and an an unbalanced effect is always a direct manifestation of an unbalanced cause now when we talk of, about the realm of light nature has provided us with symmetrical and balanced light which affects us in balanced ways and the manifestation of that is balance and harmony in our nervous system in our endocrine system in our circadian rhythm and when we are exposing ourselves to something that is other than balance which comes from human man made light we have put no thought whatsoever about balancing our desires when we had that desire to create a light bulb and see meredith one thing i learned about desire is you can have the most beautiful desire and any desire that you have you have the power to manifest it but the manifestation of your desire and how balanced it is is in direct proportion to how balanced your desire is and as a humanity when we first had the desire to light up our world 24 hour we were able to manifest that desire and that's all happening right now but now the question is what type of effects are we dealing with and we are all saying that we are dealing with chronic diseases now why is that because we need to come back to the cause to the main desire our desire to light up the world 24 hour was an unbalanced one 
and it's no doubt going to lead to an unbalanced effect, which is manifesting in our health and in the way we're operating in our society. So coming back to the glasses, we wanted to address this unbalanced desire, so to speak, and to bring balance into it. And in order to resolve that problem, we had to come back to nature and to, to, to observe. And it was easy to see that the light is actually changing continuously throughout the whole day. And different light information is signaling different things to our system. So if we were to be outside and we want to mitigate the effect of the imbalanced light that we expose ourselves to, we got to start thinking about the time of the day. And we got to also think about the source of light that we're exposing ourselves to it. And if it was artificial imbalanced light and we are during the day, then the best solution we came with is to reduce this sharp blue light at 455 nanometer, which you can observe when you look at the spectral distribution of an LED bulb or screen. And basically by decreasing it to 50%, it's gonna automatically become more balanced and proportionate with the yellow and the green that is emitted by those devices. Therefore, this solution is not an optimal solution because it's not bringing us to a spectral distribution that is exactly like sunlight. However, it is mitigating the effect of the imbalanced light in an intelligent manner and in the best way that we could. And for this specific topic, I also want to address the issue that I dealt with when wearing the yellow tinted glasses during the day, which I first designed. And I actually uh, diverted from because we experimented so much and we were experiencing unexplainable drops of energy during the day. And this is not supposed to happen, right? And the reason why this happens is because those yellow tinted glasses or extremely yellow tinted glasses are designed to block 100% of the blue light at 455 nanometer. And in the process of doing this, they wipe out all of the blue turquoise at 480 nanometer. And we all know that 470 to 490 nanometer is the frequency of light that melanopsin, the protein in the eye, is most sensitive to and rely upon to signal to our hypothalamus in the brain that's daytime. So what happens when we were a daytime blue light blockers that is actually eliminating the blue and wiping out a lot of the blue turquoise? We actually run into circadian disruption and we start confusing our brain into thinking that it's maybe afternoon when it's literally daytime. And we have resolved this problem by creating lenses that maximize the blue turquoise coming from the window through the lenses. And this means that you will eliminate this harsh blue at 455, balance it out and still absorb all of the blue turquoise so that you can still maintain high energy levels throughout the whole day. And when it comes to evening and nighttime, it's a different story because again, when the sun sets, there's no blue whatsoever in the environment. And we've been uh, accustomed to, um, you know, gather around the fire. And the fire has a very specific color temperature, which is close to 1,800 kelvins. So when we wanted to address this, we thought of designing evening lenses that are designed to block all of the blue and only the highest frequency green, yet keep enough green so that you can still have the energy to socialize and function. Just like if you were around the, a bonfire, you, you feel that your nervous system has calmed down, you wind down, yet you have enough energy to dance, cook, and socialize. And this is our evening glasses. Lastly, the nighttime glasses, they are designed to block 100% of the blue and the green, 
and decrease the brightness by 15 times, which is a very important feature because brightness of light also stimulate the, con the, the, the cones in the eye. And the cones are actually connected to the intrinsic uh, photosensitive, uh, the IPRGCs. Uh, so it's not only a question of melanopsin. There are other photosensitive uh, uh, cells in the eye that are actually connected to the IPRCCs uh, and they, 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 they play a role in signaling to the hypothalamus about the time of the day. So anytime we approach nighttime, one to two hours before bedtime, it's really great to eliminate blue and green whatsoever and to really decrease the brightness of light. And the nighttime glasses full of Viva rays are designed in a way to achieve all of these things together. Thank you for that comprehensive explanation. And I think it's really important to point out because I know I talk to a lot of people and I do a lot of calls and people are at all different stages of, of learning about this. And a common behavior that I see for people who are new to understanding light and blue light and things like that is they, they order a pair of orange blue blockers and put them on all the time. I think it's a great, an important point is that, you know, we need a certain type of blue light during the day, the type that's found in sunlight. We don't want to block everything that's going to disrupt our circadian rhythm just as much as <laughs> looking at our phone in the middle of the night. So it's important to remember that during the day, if you're working on a computer, you probably do want all day long, you probably do want glasses, but you want to make sure that they are the type that you make where they're specifically formulated to reflect what's happening in nature during the day and not just randomly block out every nanometer of blue light possible. 100%. And again, it could be as destructive to block the right light at the right time of the day than to not block the wrong light at the wrong time of the day. <laughs> Yes, I think because people just, yeah, we just sort of take away these top level headline ideas. Blue light is bad. And then, but it's actually like anything more nuanced than that. So Rudy, you've been doing this incredible in-depth research for many years. What are you interested in right now? Are, are there any papers that have come out that have sparked your curiosity? Are you doing any personal research projects that you're really excited about? Like give us a, a peek at where you are in your journey. Yeah. It's a great question. I'm actually very inspired about the idea of elevating humanity's consciousness to a whole new level that's in alignment with becoming sensitive to what's happening within us and all around us. To me, when I talk about light, I think of light as consciousness. And Consciousness to me is one, though it manifests in legions, forms, and levels of consciousness. And one thing that I'm deeply passionate about is waking up every morning and living my day knowingly. And what that means is knowing that there is no one or no thing that is not all that is. And I'm super passionate about translating this understanding or understanding, so to speak, <laughs> to the world in, in different ways. Now, the thing about the topic of consciousness is that consciousness can be expressed in so many different levels or series or so many different forms. And this makes us delude ourselves with the thought that consciousness is divisional. However, consciousness is not division and every level of consciousness is literally connected to the one above it 
and to the one below it. And there's really no gaps in consciousness. So when I think about all this concept and when I sit with this concept, realizing that my awareness of being is my I amness, so to speak, the first cause substance. And it is to this first cause substance, I need to look in order to find answers to things that are happening in my life. Results, conditions, and circumstances that are happening outside of me are really the effect of the one cause substance, which is my level of awareness and my level of consciousness. And anytime I'm really interested in innovation or in a particular topic, I always come back to the same idea of sitting with my desire and waiting for the ultimate inspiration so that my desire becomes balanced and therefore the, the manifestation of my desire results in balance effect. And when I say manifestation, it means experiencing the result of. Now, experiencing the result of what? Of my own state of consciousness. Now, why am I talking about all of this? Because I'm truly inspired about helping humanity to elevate their light. And when I mean by light, I mean their light environment, as well as their connection with the light, which means their connection with their own level of consciousness. A whole new level of alignment and balance. And that, that is a big goal because it, 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 uh, it extends into so many different areas. One of which is spiritual and internal. And another one is external. But to me, the external is the manifestation of the internal. And when I try to think about creating an innovation for humanity, I always make sure that I'm really sitting with that until I get the ultimate inspiration and until I ultimately balance my desire so that the manifestation of that is a balanced effect to humanity. And one of the things that I'm really, really, really passionate on right, uh, and, and working diligently to achieve is helping humanity to transcend the idea of a light bulb or the idea of what a concept of an indoor lighting should look like. Because we are dealing with a paradigm that believes that a light bulb should be cheap and that a light bulb should take a specific form or shape. And these are very old ideas. And we cannot keep operating from our old ideas and expect to achieve new results and, and new leaps in our life. To me, if someone was conditioned to pay $2,000 for a refrigerator, you know, I believe that one of my missions is to condition people to actually demand higher quality, more expensive lighting. Because it's not only about the price. It's when, when we understand the immense effect of light in our life, it's much more important than the refrigerator and the washing machine that we're paying three, $4,000 for. And we've been programmed to be super happy while doing it because we're not thinking, right? So one of the things that I am continuously working on is triggering people to think more about light and to think more about the effects of light. And in order to think new thoughts, we really need new ideas.
because we think from our ideas. And one of the things that I learned is that I cannot fight the current paradigm. All I can do is create a new paradigm that makes the old paradigm obsolete. So what I'm truly inspired with is first triggering people to think new ideas. And second, helping people to understand their relationship to light, which quantum biology and the whole community is doing a wonderful job in this. We are triggering more and more and more people into rethinking about their relationship to nature and to light and to who they really are. And in the process of doing this, and every night I ask wordlessly in my heart for one thing is how can I be of service? What can I do today? And how I can do it to actually extend from source that which already exists a manifestation to humanity that consists of a balanced rhythmic light environment in our indoor places so that we can actually live indoors when we need to and stay balanced, stay happy, and stay connected to what's happening outside. Now, the main challenge with that is that in the industry, we're dealing with manufacturers that will produce what the majority are demanding. And the majority in our world are still thinking of how can we save a little bit more energy by making the light a little bit more junk? And that's, a, that's, that's quite a problem because even in the most conscious companies right now about light, we are seeing products that are being launched that are far from being optimal. Now, why is that? Not because the owners of the companies do not understand what they're doing, but because they're abiding by the old paradigm of what the population wants. And the population wants to buy something cheap and that is energy efficient and all of these things. And when we talk about energy efficiency, it's a mind boggling thing because we now see Russia and Ukraine spending hundreds of millions of dollars to bomb each other out. And on the other side, we see politicians and institutions talking about energy efficiency. Like, where's the logic in that? I mean, we are all gifted with different faculties in our mind, one of which is reason. And reason is the ability to really think through things. And what I find is that most people are actually sensing and reacting rather than thinking and they confuse this with actual thinking and sensing and reacting is very different than thinking because again to think new things you gotta think from new ideas and you gotta generate those ideas and you cannot generate anything by yourself you really work knowingly with the source of all that is and draw from that source. But what most of us are accustomed to do is to continuously be overtaken by what's happening outside, by the objective reality of things, and to continuously react to life. And our reactions to life are in perfect harmony with the way we conceive ourselves. Because the way we conceive ourselves will determine how we react to events in our environment. So one of my invitations to people is really to realize who they really are and to realize that there is nothing happening outside, okay, that is not caused by what's happening inside. The outside is literally a mirror or the insight. And when we talk about light, we're talking about consciousness. And consciousness is not divisional, as I said. 
But the thing with consciousness is the your concept of yourself will draw a limited aspect of the infinite consciousness. And you and only you will determine that concept. So if you happen to be in a situation where you don't like what's happening around you, there's only one place really to look at the one cause substance, consciousness. And your consciousness is your permanent awareness of being. That which you are aware of being, you become. We never get what we want. We get what we are and what we are, we are aware of being. So again, the invitation in our world today with all these chaotic events that are happening outside of us, with, with all these different paradigms that are constituted on very old ideas, the invitation is to reconstruct those things by tuning into our own states of consciousness, our own lights. And we can only access our own light when we go inwardly and then start extending outwardly. And when we go inwardly and connect with who we really are, we feel inspired and we start extending inspiration to others so that others re-give equally that inspiration to others. Okay? Now, on the other hand, when we are disconnected from the light of consciousness, from who we really are, and when we are continuously looking into effects and into things happening outside of us to explain that which is happening inside of us, we're going against the nature of things. We're going against the one substance, the consciousness, and we cannot expect to find answers in this chaotic state. And we will forever be rolling in anxiety and de de desperation. And the thing about anxiety and desperation it, is that it extends out and it travels into other beings around us. So really we are either creating and inspired or disintegrating and feeling desperate, so to speak. So with all that being said, my only call right now is to stay in a state of inspiration and to draw from the infinite an inspired conception that is based on a balanced desire to bring balanced light to humanity. I don't care how long it's going to take. I don't care what it will take to get there, but I know I'm getting there because I'm not working alone. I'm working knowingly with all that is. And the fact that I'm talking to you right now and to this beautiful community in quantum biology and to all these beautiful human beings that are doing the work from a state of inspiration is signaling to me at this moment that I'm on the right path and that I need to stay faithful to this vision of really wanting to serve and bringing something better than it was before. Thank you, Rudy. That's a really deep explanation and it's, and it's very rich. And I think it's gonna give all of us a lot to, a lot to reflect on. And yeah, I was having a, a conversation earlier where I think often when we find something that works, we can, you know, sort of develop an attachment to it or become a, a little bit rigid in our thinking, whether it's about food or light or whatever it is. And truly then the next level is to keep coming back to the source and remember that that's where it all begins and ends. Totally. Even to add to what you're saying there, Meredith, because it's extremely important. I've had periods in my life where I've been out in sunlight, okay? Unconscious of my inner workings and my inner thoughts and not in a state of gratitude to receive that sunlight. And it was much different than being out in sunlight 
consciously aware of my connection to the sun and of my inner workings and what's alive in me. There's no words can describe the immense difference in what you get when you're out in nature present with all that is in appreciation of the infinite power that is flowing through and to all of these things and then to and through you. I see a lot of people today really addicted to information. Now, what do I mean by this? We're trying to really dumb things down to a point where at times we tell people, just go five minutes outside and get that sun, right? I've had so many people doing this. I've worked with so many people doing this. And what I realized is until that person start becoming consciously aware of their relationship to their environment, and until they start developing a sense of appreciation of the energy that they are absorbing from sunlight, there's not much that is happening to their mm -hmm. consciousness and to their physiology. So there's an immense difference in the results that we are getting when we are consciously aware of the power of the source that we are connected with rather than just being outside with busy minds thinking about a thousand other things and not really being present with, with sunlight during that time when we want to really connect to that source. It's like being in the presence of truth, but if we don't have the capacity to understand or receive it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Although I... I mean, wouldn't you say, though, that being outside would have some physiological benefits, regardless of your state of mind? It's going to act at a subconscious intrinsic level that is a system that responds to light that is thousands of years old. But when, when we bring consciousness into that system, I believe that things amplify in an enormous way. When we become the observant, of that phenomena, particles move into wave, and things shift like magic. And always when we're talking about the quantum effects, quantum coherence, quantum entanglement, all of these things that most of us still cannot wrap our mind around because they're pure magic, how the electron could, could go through things rather than you know, accumulating enough energy and do all the effort to go up and down. And I really, I really believe that when we are outside and we are being the observant of these states, inner things happen in ways where we move from particle to wave, when we move from more matter to more light and fluidity. Yes. And even the act of creating an experience where we're able to have our physical bodies outside requires us to think, going back to what you were saying about the difference between reacting and actually thinking, right? Like, yes. whereas popping a pill, I don't have to think here, take this. Okay. Yes. And so I see what you're saying. If you just say like, get up and open a window. Okay. And I don't think about it any more than that. I am going to limit the benefits to a certain extent. Then if I understand a little bit about why I'm opening that window and what's happening when I open that window, and then I'm changing my behavior, which is requires a certain level of intentional cognitive activity that does is not required. And we're just on autopilot. So even the act of changing our routines and our habits to get ourselves connecting to natural light is, I think, raising our level of consciousness because it's requiring us to think about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yes. It's, it's required us to think 
to be imaginative, to, to be novel, to create novel solution to ever more complex problems by engaging our novel imagination. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's all about being in, surrounded by ever more complex problem. Life is a machinery of creating these complex problems. But, but why is that? Because it's a continuous process of, no, of novelty and, and engaging our imagination in purely new ways to extend our presence and our existence into new places where we have never been before. I think our minds are literally centers of divine operation, so to speak. And I truly believe that the universe and divine operation is always for growth, expansion, and fuller expression. And this means that it's the continuous production of something that is entirely new, which requires us to think, to imagine, to feel, to be present. Something that is not existent in the past, yet it proceeds out of the past through a sequence of growth. And this also means that stop being ashamed of your past. Stop dwelling and feeling bad about who you were yesterday. Who you were yesterday is a beautiful sequence that will create who you will become today and who you will be tomorrow. As long as we are present and appreciative of the sequence of life, and as, well, as long as we are willing from moment to moment to open ourselves up to work knowingly with the light of consciousness, which who we are, life will continuously expand. Life will continuously evolve. And we will be at a level of training our paradigm to shift from a state of seeing the bad in all things to shifting into a new state of seeing the good in all things because there is good in all things and it's a matter of seeing it or not. And even when we are faced by a extraordinary problem, why is that? Because there's a good in it is that is going to trigger our imagination and our thinking into new levels where we have not been before. And in this, there is creativity, there is creation, there is beauty. Yes. And it's fun. It is super fun. <laughs> super fun. And as you said, it, it, it erases the need for shame. Every single aspect of our past can be a seed of opportunity for what we can become. And once we are becoming, we become a model and a guide for anyone else who had a similar past or did a similar thing. And it's, it's like um, the ripple effect of growth and harmony, no matter what has happened before. <laughs> and, and the quantum entanglement effect, see to me like, on the psychological level, quantum entanglement is your ability to be inspired by the inspiration of someone else. And then to take this inspiration and to re-give it equally so that you're re-inspiring others to go up their mountaintops. And when others are being re-inspired, it's our nature to re-give equally and keep re-inspiring, which is the law of love of equally giving and re-giving equally in a balanced rhythmic interchange in all transactions. And this happens in nature all the time. Every transaction in nature is based on the law of love of 
equal giving for the giving and balanced rhythmic interchange. And even I, I once talked about, you know, the oxygen we breathe and, you know, we're, we're, we're being given that oxygen and we're re-giving CO2 equally to the trees. So you see this happening in every transaction. And one of the major problems for humanity is the inability to extend balance into every transaction. Oftentimes we wanna take more than what we wanna give. And this leads to greed. And the price of greed is agony. Yeah. And the price well, we of love. Control, right? Like even within the quantum paradigm, like, you know, we might be tempted to try and control someone who's taking a whole lot of prescriptions or getting a whole lot of injections. When in fact, if we go back to your, to the model of inspiration that you're describing and we share what we know in a, in a fun, easy way, and someone starts to understand light and starts to understand the quantum nature of their existence, they will likely choose to change what they're doing. And if they don't, I mean, it's, it's up to them, right? But it's, I can trust that I don't need to control other people. I, it's more about sharing what we have discovered. You know, this, as you share this, what came to my mind is this super powerful sentence that I read once, and I think it was by Walter Russell. In his book, I think, I forgot which book, but it, it goes and says, and when I refer to the word God, I'm referring to the supreme power that is existing in all things within us and outside of us. And the sentence says, I am a patient God. All man will come to me in due time. But the agony of awaiting is theirs. Okay. And I think this sentence is extremely powerful because I let this sentence guide my action. And when I am in my source energy, it means that I am seeing the world through the eyes of source and not through the eyes of my own limitations and my own perception about that word. And if someone is stuck in a state that is outside of love, right? What can I do other than really holding them through the eyes of source, through the eyes of compassion? And knowing that whether it's now, tomorrow, or in 10 years, they're going to walk that path. They're going to walk that path of abundance, of health, of love, of expression. But the agony of waiting is theirs, right? And if I, if I stay in that vibration and in this faith, knowing who I truly am and not dropping into someone else's illusion of who they think they are, I would be serving them much more than using force because force negates. Yes. And, and force invites the recipient to push back as we're seeing playing out in multiple geopolitical situations, right? If, if you try to force me to do something on a personal level or on a the level of a nation, I have something to push back on. If you inspire me and allow me to make a choice, <laughs> it's a complete, I mean, we live in a completely different world then. I love that. Well, that's a beautiful quote. And, and it's, yeah. Yes. Other people's timeline is really none of my business. <laughs> Definitely. And, and, and being patient with people, right? Who am I to really be impatient with someone's else process who am i i mean just five years ago i was hanging out in the dark all the time yeah. partying taking drugs being completely unconscious about anything in life right yeah. and who am i today to judge myself for or feeling guilty about that which i experienced before again that which i experienced was the perfect orderly sequence that I needed to go through 
to become who I am today and to know what I know today. And again, like knowing is much different than being informed. And this is like a concept that truly boggles my mind because I think we are dealing with a modern world today that really confuses knowing for being informed. You can get informed through information, through looking at something and examining it and comparing it with other things, right? But we can only know a thing by becoming it and by thinking from it. And true knowing is a spiritual quality, whereas being informed, we get informed through our brains, which is a recording machine that repeats the same information, just like you know a record would, would do if you record information upon a record. So I truly emphasize contemplating the idea of the difference between knowing and being informed. And even in the world of quantum biology and quantum physics, there's a lot of information out there. But do we really know it? Or are we informed about it? Oftentimes, we are informed about it. And we will only know it when we become it. And that takes time. Yes. And as you said, we, we will have patience for ourselves as we are all becoming. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rudy. This was a really delightful conversation. I often don't know where we're going to go, but we went... <laughs> We went to some amazing places. I appreciate your capacity to articulate these, these ideas. It's not Thank an easy so thing to do and you're very gifted. I'm really grateful for being here today and I had no clue about what I'm going to speak about. <laughs> Things come through and that's the beauty and the flow of life. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. To find a practitioner who practices from this point of view, visit our directory at quantumbiologycollective.org. If you are a practitioner, definitely take a look at the Applied Quantum Biology Certification, a six-week study of the science of the new human health paradigm and its practical application with your patients and clients. We also love to feature graduates of the program on this very podcast. Until next time, the QBC.